Welcome to the Culture Swally. Yes, it's a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. It's not the real blend with Robbie Shepherd, which is what you might be thinking with our new theme music. My name's Nicky, and as always, I'm joined by Greg. How are you today, Greg? I'm very well. Very well. I've got. I'm in a quiet house. It's uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, as we as we record this, um, it's a sunny day in Dubai. My wife has taken my youngest daughter to her weekly dancing class. My y- older daughter is she's on the brink of be- being a teenager, so sh- she stays in her room with the door shut quite a lot, quite a lot of the time. And uh, we still have my wife's parents uh, staying with us. They came to see us for Christmas on the fifteenth of December. They extended their visa when society crumbled in the wake of COVID in the UK or the second wave of COVID in the UK and we just found out yesterday that there's no flights between the UK and the UE for the foreseeable future um, so it looks like they're staying with us for a bit longer but it's fine because my, my, my mother-in-law at the moment is cooking a Sunday roast although it's Saturday but you know for those of you who don't know the first day of the week and the Arabic calendar is a Sunday, so it's back to work for me tomorrow. So yeah, I had seen that that the uh, that obviously shut down the flights, and I did wonder about that. Obviously, I saw in the newspaper as well the politicians condemning all these influencers that had gone to Dubai for working holidays. So, would your parents-in-law be described as influencers? I'm not sure. I mean, my father-in-law is 80. You know, you could say he's been influencing people for years. Not always a good influence. <laughs> Gotta be honest. Certainly, <laughs> certainly led me astray on more than one occasion. But it's it's quite funny because uh, everybody in Dubai. We've had a bit of a set, a kind of a mini second wave in Dubai since Christmas because a lot of people came over for Christmas, particularly from the UK. Um, we don't have any restrictions as yet, and the vaccine is rolling out at a pace here, both the Chinese and the Belgian one. I am now scheduled for the Belgian one. My work has scheduled it for me, so I'll be getting that at some point. Um, but everyone here in Dubai is. Blaming the Brits for coming over and partying it up in um, December for this second wave. And it sounds as though quite a lot of people in the UK are blaming the Brits for going to Dubai and bringing it back. Like, uh, so who knows? Who knows who's to blame? All I know is the pubs are still open here and they're not in the UK. Yeah, I think that was always going to happen. I Obviously, I'm guilty. I went to Dubai for Christmas, but I had my COVID test before I went. And I had my COVID test before I came back. All clear. I've been fine. I'm not aware that I've spread anything. And I made sure I isolated when I came back as well, even though I didn't have to. So, but yeah, it was always going to happen with the, the amount of people that were going there and coming back and with travel yeah it's gonna spread but you but you didn't you you didn't exactly like you, you went exactly all over the place when you came i know you were at your sisters for most of the time you can you come over to see us one day um for a bite to eat and a few beers but apart from that you were you were pretty quiet right? yeah we were quite careful i think we we did limit who we saw uh because not so much you know for us spreading but we didn't want to potentially catch anything anyway either because then it would have kind of screwed up being able to come back so yeah so, so. <laughs> didn't want to do that anyway never mind so that's the latest goings on then. That's the latest goings on two weeks ago by the time you listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, certainly will be. Uh, Yeah, well, because then this will be going out. Oh, Valentine's Day is coming up. Anything exciting planned? (laughs) Well, my in-laws are scheduled to fly back on Valentine's Day, assuming that uh, flights recommence between the UK. So as as of now, um, no plans. You know, I've been married for 15 years. We don't really... Every day is Valentine's Day, mate, when you've been married for 15 years. Yeah. 
Your wife listens to this, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. She, some, she, she sometimes does. Very good. Okay, well, that's the world news. Do you want to have a look at the news that's been happening in Scotland this week? I absolutely certainly do. Let's have a look at some news. <laughs> This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. So, what have you seen from back home that has caught your eye this week, Greg? Right, well, so, I took a bit of a leaf out of your book uh, this week. So, last time you had one of our sort of Swally-centric stories about your man accidentally on purpose bashing up some teenagers, and then a nice story about the guy from Aberdeen who's opened the Scottish food restaurant in Thailand. So I've gone with a nice story for my second story because my first story, pretty unpleasant, I think. Well, I think think it's quite funny, to be honest, but I think some people of a more sensitive disposition might find it a bit unpleasant. So I, I found it on the on Glasgow Live, which is an online Glasgow news forum. The headline reads, Glasgow mum horrified after buying suicide joke game for son, five years old, from Home Bargains Toy Isle. So this is uh, Jamie Lee Stewart, a uh, young, young lady from Glasgow. She allowed her son to pick up a toy from the kids section in Home Bargains. But un- unwittingly, the game that he chose, that she paid for, it contains jokes. It contains jokes about suicide, which is quite a sensitive subject, genitalia, which is quite a sensitive area, and swearing. So Jamie Lee's from um, the South Side. It's the home bargains in Old House, uh, suburb of Glasgow. Um, The game is called the Bucket of Doom Toxic Edition. Uh, It was placed among the soft toys and other toys that contained slime. It was only when he got home to play with the toy that Jamie Lee looked inside to see the bucket had cards with lurid messages. Jamie Lee told Glasgow Live he was so so excited to play it. When we got home, he opened it right away. Luckily, my son isn't old enough to read. I would argue that he is. He's five years old. He can read some things. Or understand any of the words included on the cards. I couldn't believe my eyes when they came running in asking me to read them a story. After a quick glance at the cards, some suggesting jump off a cliff, it'll make your parents happy, or pour petrol in your head and light it, others suggesting taking cocaine, I thought, surely not. The Bucket of Doom Toxic Edition is described as an adult play game and a black comedy storytelling game. Inside the bucket has cards reading sentences saying, Dad's dick pic, doll that pisses and shits itself, as well as references to suicide, genitalia, and swearing. Online, the game has an age advisory as suitable for 17 years old and over. It advises players to read out one of the Doom cards to discover what sort of mess you're in. It then says to take a look at your eight useless object cards. These could be anything from a severed finger, other objects or body parts and celebrities. Jamie Lee added, my first thought was why on earth was this displayed in a baby and toddler section? But the more I looked at the vile things that these cards suggested, the more traumatic they became. With child suicide at its highest right now, so Jamie Lee's a statistician, statistician, no, a statistician as well as being a young mother from uh, Old House, uh, I certainly don't think a game like this should be on the shelves. It's absolutely disgusting how this has passed reading standards. Jamie Lee said, these cards are just vile. Yes, possibly it's okay as an over-18s game, but to have it displayed in the children's section and then have the audacity to say it's suitable for 17-year-olds is beyond me, because that year between 17 and 18, obviously, we just 
just mature right up, don't we? Personally, even if this was advertised in an adult section, it's not something I think is suitable for a 17-year-old. I just hope no teenagers with mental health... Oh, it just says mental health. I hope no teenagers with mental health have bought this game. But we've all got mental health. I think she means mental health issues. Even the staff thought it was just a slime game. The cashier said when I was buying it, Oh, you're brave. That slime gets everywhere. I'm lost. <laughs> I'm lost for words. It should be removed from the shelves altogether and the age restriction needs to be considered. Glasgow Live put the story and the pictures to a representative of Home Bargains, but they declined to comment. A spokeswoman for Big Potato, who's the company that make the Bucket of Doom game, told Glasgow Live, At Big Potato, we specialise in games that are easy to pick up and hard to put down. We've got adult <laughs> games, family games and kids games. Our 17 years plus adult party game, Bucket of Doom, is definitely not one of the latter. We're more than happy to suggest something more age appropriate. There's some pictures of some of the cards here. One of the cards says, The Grim Reaper appears. Oh, I think it says, Kill yourself in the most elaborate way possible. Oh no, I can't do that. It says, I'll let you live. Um, there's a card that just says, Weasel shits coffee. My mind is boggling, I have no idea. So say, you try some... Oh, cock growing big wonder cream. Cock grow big wonder cream that you bought off the internet. You wake up in the morning with a penis bigger than you. Um, you're trying to perform a blowjob on yourself when your back pops and you're stuck in that position. You hear a key turn. Mum's home. <laughs> I think Jamie Lee is perhaps feeling a bit guilty about not checking the game out properly before she paid for it and is deflecting uh, by giving Home Bargains a hard time for putting it next to the slime toys like X01 and the real Ghostbusters. What do you think? I've looked this up, this Bucket of Doom Toxic Edition, and I agree, it looks like a bucket of slime. And I can see how a mistake was made. It does clearly say on the front, 17+. plus. Yep. And maybe Jamie thought it was 17+. plus pieces of slime or something when you turn the back it does say the death dodging party game is back so maybe just pay a bit more attention yeah i bet her son was gutted because he would have been the most popular kid at school if he'd gone in with this game possibly i mean i'm looking at the front of it now it says bucket of doom toxic edition it's got a skull and crossbones uh, sort of classic pirate logo in the front although the cross is kind of winking and wearing what appears to be a gas mask it says bucket of doom toxic edition now with evil stench of doom forfeit smell so you know even if you even if you miss the age restriction on the game forfeit smell, you know, a bucket of slime doesn't generally have the word forfeit on the front of it. Forfeit is with a game, usually, right? Yeah, I would think so. I don't know. I, I never had slime. That, that was one thing. I think I had all the Ghostbusters toys, but I never actually had the, the pot of slime. I think my mum was always too worried I'd make too much of a mess with it. Gets into the carpet, doesn't it? That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing, and it's a pain in the arse to get out, so I understand where she'd be coming from if it's a bucket of slime, but she thought it was a bucket of slime. It turns out it was a, a sick, twisted game. So it's basically like a kind of cards of human humanity type game yeah so it takes up to 11 maybe okay so yeah the example you gave you're trying to perform a sex act on yourself and you hear the key in the door and then Mom's whatever home. you have on your card, like Boris Johnson's hair or <laughs> a hologram of Tupac, you would set off the hologram of Tupac and whilst he's performing California Love, you can try and click your back into place. Possibly. I'm not sure. I mean, I've played Cards Against Humanity a couple of times and the first time I played it, it was the British edition, which is like filthy. Like filthy. Have you ever played it? Have you ever played Cards Against Humanity? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Quite a few times. It was a... I think just after it had come out, we got it in Dubai and it was at a time we'd we'd regularly be round at neighbours' houses every weekend and the, the cards of humanity would come out. So yeah, we we played it quite a lot. Haven't played it in a while. We've still got it, but yeah, it's uh yeah, I used to enjoy it. It's good. 
It's good fun. The American version, which I've also played, that someone, when I lived in Kuwait, same thing, I was at a house party and someone brought it out. Nowhere near as filthy as a British version. Nowhere near. Yeah, I can imagine. I think Brits have, do you have a, a kind of higher tolerance for more sick and twisted humour than Americans? Americans, I would say, would be more like gross out humour. So, yeah, that was poor old Jamie Lee. L- luckily her son can't read. Yeah, I think she's got bigger things to worry about if her son can't read yet than, uh, than complaining about a bucket of slime to home bargains. Maybe get your priorities right there, Jimmy. I like how home bargains are just, just not having any of it. They, they're, they're, they're obviously thinking, well, you should have read the box before you picked it up. I like the, the game manufacturer. What was it Big Potato? The, their press release to, to get back on this was fantastic. There was no apology. They just plugged all the games that they sell and then said, yeah, we'll be happy to recommend a, a child-friendly game for you. <laughs> you know? I mean, at the end of the day, it's not their fault. It's clearly labelled. It's, you know, it's Home Bargain's fault, really, for putting it in with the slime. But it's it's some poor shop assistant who's probably getting paid minimum wage having to deal with this in the middle of a pandemic and have customers coming in. Mm-hmm. They're just wanting to get the shite on the shelves kind of as soon as possible. So, yeah, I think it's not their fault. It's definitely, like, to your earlier point, it's definitely Black Belt kind of crisis management PR on the big potato guy's front. <laughs> right, just... Yeah, I think it's brilliant. The the release that they've said, fantastic. That's what you want. So, that's old Jamie Lee. What, um, what have you found this week? Well, before I go into my first story, I have an update on an old story from the Swally. I, I can't remember what episode it was on. I should have gone back and checked. So that's, that's bad on my part. But do you remember from a few episodes ago, there was a story about a Edinburgh student who was high on LSD and he tried to bite two cops and um, I think he was unfortunate in that he tried to bite one of the cops and I think the cop dodged him but then smacked his head on the door of the police van and knocked himself out or something (laughs) so he was in court in November and they deferred sentencing because he's 21 years old he's a, a student at Edinburgh University and he's studying to be a PE teacher and obviously if he had a criminal record then he wouldn't be able to continue his career so I'm very pleased to say that the judge decided that it was a one-off and it was just a a silly mistake from a young lad and he has dealt with a case with an absolute discharge so he doesn't have a criminal record and nothing can stop him now unless he gets some more LSD. So that's, uh, you know, that's a happy ending. Yeah, it's a rare happy ending and it's a swally first. It's it's, it's, it's a swally first that we've caught up with one of our former protagonists. Yeah, it is. So I'd just like to give a shout out and, and say congratulations to Michael McCory and good luck in your future endeavours as a PE teacher. So uh, I think that covers my nice kind of part this week because I haven't bothered finding a nice story this week. I just thought it's too much effort to try and find something. So I'm glad you found something nice that we can uh, that we can go on. I've gone for my first story with I think a Swally classic really. It, it's a trope that kind of comes up quite a lot and it's about people basically hurting other people with weapons. It's, it's been a bit of a trend over the last few weeks, I think. Yeah. So um, this is from the, the Dundee Courier, and it's a story about a Fife man who used a cricket bat to disperse a group, and he said he gave the victim a wee slap. The story is that Stefano Muscara, he, uh, he lives in a, an apartment block, a block of flats, 
and at approximately 10.30pm, three people went to visit a friend's home and were speaking to her on the landing outside the flat. Now, Stefano and his lady friend obviously live above them. So, a female appeared on the landing above and said she'd contacted the police about the noise. Then, Stefano came behind her, brandishing a cricket bat, and ran down the stairs towards them. He moved towards one of the group and another female blocked it and received a graze on the, like a, on the arm with the cricket bat. Okay, no harm done. Stefano wasn't having this though and he swung the bat again and struck the same female on the arm. She began to cry in pain, as you would if you've just been fucking whacked with a cricket bat. So the police were contacted. I thought they'd already been called, but who knows, maybe, maybe they hadn't called them. So when the police came and went up to his flat, he said to them, yeah, I went down there to give her one. <laughs> I don't think he meant that way. Yeah. I think he meant thing. So he was taken... He was taken to Dunfermline Police Station and he said it was just a little slap. It was just a tap. They wanted to create Saturday night drama and I ended up causing it. So he's helped them, really. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's got the intention they were looking for drama. I lost my temper and I battered her arm. Now, he said it was just a wee slap. Now he's saying he's battered her arm. Uh, the victim was taken to hospital and found to have a fractured elbow. So he must have given her a right fucking whack with that bat. He admitted that he assaulted the female by repeatedly striking her with a cricket bat. A presume that maybe means the first hit which was a graze and then the second one and he also admitted unlawful possession of the offensive weapon so is it against the law to own a cricket bat i don't think so can be i mean it's i mean it's unusual to own a cricket bat in scotland unless it's for self-defense i do always remember reading and i don't know if it's true about if you have a, a baseball bat you should always make sure you've got a baseball glove and a baseball in your house i know I, and i think it is maybe because the police could say it's a, an offensive weapon, but it's it's a bit of sporting equipment. Could I get arrested for having my golf clubs? Technically, that could they could do probably a bit more damage than a I don't know golf club or cricket bat. Hmm. Well, there's that episode of The Sopranos, isn't there? With Mustang Sally, when he batters the guy's head in with a putter. That's true, yeah. Yeah, uh, a heavy putter, I suppose, yeah, a golf club, it could probably snap if you were hitting someone over the back, where a cricket bat does a bit more damage. I don't know, I've watched enough episodes of Bottom to know that uh, a cricket bat can deal out quite a, a bit of force there. Anyway, so they've um, they've called for reports, and Mascara will be sentenced on the 10th of March. So if I find an update in March, yeah. we, can, we can find out what happened to him. We can catch up with Stefano and see how long he got. I'm not going to go into any offensive weapons chat. I think we've covered enough of that on the last few episodes of the Swally. I'm not going to go into my story about how I want a nightstick again. And a we're not going to... Or a concrete-filled baseball bat. Exactly. I think we've we've covered that. So let's lighten the mood. What's your good news story that you have for us today? So my this story is from the Press and Journal, uh, which for we have we've we've had a couple of stories from the Press and Journal before, but if this is the first time that you've listened to the Swathe, the Press and Journal is the local newspaper for Aberdeen and Aberdeenshire, um, also the Highlands and Moray. So this is from the northeast. Uh, the story. The headline. Means and a bit rough round the edges, uh, pastor of Northeast Biker Church challenges stereotypes and offers support to those in need. So there's a picture of Gordon Welsh. Uh, he has formed the Victory Biker Church in Scotland. Uh, he wants to help people with addictions and mental health issues through the church. The article starts off, tattoos, leather jackets and motorcycles may not be the traditional image of the church in Scotland. Pastor of the Victory Biker 
church in Macduff, Gordon Welsh, didn't, he didn't always want to be a minister as he felt that he couldn't find a church to settle with. Two years ago, however, he decided to step forward <clears throat> himself and he formed a ministry called the Christ Misfits for those who didn't identify with the suit and tie image of a Christian. In January last year, this evolved to become the Victory Biker Church and he's now appealing for more people to consider joining. He's seen examples of this in America and he did contact a member of, of a similar church in America. He said, the story of how I came to start out is that I had a bad experience with a lot of churches because I'm covered in tattoos, because I have my hair a little different, I ride a motorcycle and I'm a bit rough around the edges. I didn't really feel accepted in the church and I couldn't really feel like the church catered for my kind of needs. Not quite sure what kind of needs he would need from a church that are different. Um, maybe somewhere to park his motorbike. Uh, I went from church to church trying to find that and I found that there was nobody that really catered for the bikers, the rockers, the punks, the goths, or even anybody <laughs> that was, or even anybody that was slightly different. Uh, the small congregation of Macduff is made up of seven members, with the youngest being 18 and the oldest is 70 years old. It's a non-denominational church that offers an, insert quotation marks, an environment free of judgment. It challenges stereotypes of Christians and bikers, and it provides a voice for people who maybe can't speak up for themselves. Now this was the line that kind of made me chuckle about this. The popular American drama, Sons of Anarchy, has been an obstacle for the church, but it has also <laughs> drawn people towards the pastor. You know, I would, uh, as, a, as a wee um, interview here with uh, Gordon, it says, I'm covered in tattoos, and apart from preacher up the side of my arm, none of them are religious. The common question when you meet someone is, what do you do for a living? I say, I'm trained to be a hairdresser, which is what I do on the side of running the church. That raises questions, because I don't look like a hairdresser either, and they'll ask if I've always done that. I'll say, well, actually, no. What I do on the side of that is that I'm a pastor. I always get the same answer back. I, <laughs> like a church pastor. Then... <laughs> What's the other response? No, I make linguini. <laughs> <laughs> They'll then say, I don't look like a minister. What I say to that is, well, five minutes ago, I didn't look like a hairdresser, but you've accepted that. So what's the problem with accepting a minister? The, tw the 26-year-old stressed that the church is not a motorcycle club. He said it's run by bikers, but it's not exclusive to bikers. We're not a motorcycle club by any manner of means. There's enough of them out there for people to enjoy. We cater for different people depending on who comes along. And we've got a range of ages and cultures. So he wants to uh, sort of get involved in help helping people that are battling addiction. If anyone's interested in joining Gordon's church, which you might be in these uncertain times, uh, you can call 07759 in the UK, 637066, or you can visit the Victory Biker Church Facebook page. So there's a wee plug for you, Gordon, and we wish you all the best. But yeah, he did make me laugh with that Sons of Anarchy. It's been an obstacle, Sons of Anarchy, but it's also drawn people toward the church as well. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword. I didn't mean to laugh during that. I'm sorry. It, it was, it's, it's a really nice story, and I yeah. think it's a, a very noble thing that he's he's going to be doing and yeah i think that's fantastic i i just i laughed it was just the way you said it in terms of the the church doesn't really cater for bikers rockers punks goths it's kind of like i don't know <laughs> just like the sharks and the jets they, they couldn't get a church so where are they going to go to they'll form their own church 
Yeah. <laughs> it's I, I don't know. Why is Sons of Anarchy been an obstacle? Is everyone expecting their vests, or are, are people scared off by Charlie Hunnam? Or well, I mean, I've, I've, you and I have. I think well, you've watched Sons of Anarchy, right? I know I've watched it through. I haven't actually. I I sat down to watch the first episode with my wife, and she didn't really enjoy it. She would. That's the annoying thing. I think she she got a bit lost in in some of the things they were saying. So it's one of those things. I'm gonna have to watch it myself and. I just haven't had the time, if you know what I mean. And and I I really do want to. And it is quite high up on my list of stuff to watch. In fact, I think I might start that next for my my solo watching pleasure, if that makes sense. He maybe feels that it hurts the church because Sons of Anarchy is about a motorcycle club in California who, as well as being a motorcycle club, they're very much a way of life for it's very much a way of life for the members, but they're also like hardened criminals as well that that fight with other motorcycle clubs. They sell weapons to like the mafia and things, and there's a lot of like internal motorcycle club politics between Ron Perelman um, and the aforementioned Charlie Hunnam. So yeah, so good luck, Gordon. I hope uh, you know maybe some of our listeners might get might get in touch with you on Facebook if they're looking for a bit of uh, alternative salvation. Well, yeah, uh, best of luck to to the pastor, and I hope that uh, he gets a a wonderful flock, and they can go and roam around and watch Sons of Anarchy box sets together after Songs of Praise. So, what's your last story? I feel quite bad now following up such a lovely story. You should really have went last. Yeah. I think in future we'll have to to see if one of us has a, a nice story then we end on that because okay. I don't know about yeah I, I feel bad speaking about God and, and speaking about nice things like that and then now I'm about to speak about a creep who filmed himself having sex with women's shoes in a shop <laughs> and I probably wouldn't have picked this but the byline says uh, Jordan Clark also photographed his penis over bowls of soup and inside water bottles and I couldn't let the story pass after seeing that this creep filmed himself having sex with women's shoes in a shop and he's been placed on the sex offenders register. Sicko Jordan Clark was branded a danger to women and children on Thursday. He had boasted online about how much fun he was going to have with the footwear. Over a five-month period, he repeatedly filmed and photographed himself engaging in sex acts in the shoes in a shop in Johnston, Renfrewshire. Now, I can't quite understand this part of the story. He was going into this shop for five months and he took hundreds of photographs of two women that worked in the shop without their knowledge, without their consent, and kept them in folders on his phone named after the women. The details emerged when he appeared in the dock to clear guilty over his warped obsession. He pled guilty to behaving in a threatening or abusive way by photographing the women without their consent or knowledge. Then somehow he got hold of one of their shoes and masturbated into it and then used to go around the shop placing his penis onto and into various items. He would then film this, take photographs of it and keep it on his phone. Officers searched his home and found the phone and a USB stick which had all these images in it as well. So when they looked at his phone, they discovered 394 voyeuristic images taken in this shop. He also used a a messaging app and would speak to others that I guess get off on this kind of thing. I I would say I'm in another store today. There are so many lovely women's shoes
use for here me to enjoy lol then he would take photos of the the female staff bending down without you know to reach into a cabinet then he would take pictures of his penis over bowls of soup and inside water bottles and filmed himself masturbating onto women's shoes when the women found out about this they obviously had no idea this was happening and they saw the images they were shaking and very emotional as i could imagine you know could expect that um and she did confirm that some of the shoes in the clip belonged to her how how is he getting access to her shoes i think there's more to this story than than meets the eye so he was banned from approaching or contacting any of his victims and he's been placed on the sex offenders register so he must have been going into this shop regularly it doesn't say what kind of shop it is so right. I don't know, could be a supermarket, for example, or a corner shop that he's going in. It, it doesn't say it's like a, you know, like a, a boutique clothes shop or anything. But yeah, it does seem a very odd story. And I think there's more to it than they're telling us. It must have been a big enough shop for him to kind of find a quiet corner to bang one out, you know, so that that can eliminate a corner shop. Yeah, certainly does. I mean, I don't know about you, but, well, have you ever seen, like, a a bowl of, you know, Heinz lentil soup and thought, oh, I'm going to knock one out over that bowl of soup? (laughs) (laughs) Funnily enough, I've never been taken by that notion in my life. No, I'm not a big fan of soup, to be honest. I like like, tomato soup. That's about it. Broccoli and stilton. Okay. Oh, well, a big reveal on the swally today. Not a fan of soup. Not a big fan of soup. Okay. I'm quite intrigued. It does mention that he was placing his penis in a water bottle. I hope it was a, a wide water bottle uh, otherwise he's got more to worry about than what he's been doing yeah <laughs> it sounds to me a bit like he as jamie lee would say has got mental health and probably prison is not the right place for him <laughs> maybe some kind of facility to help him with his urges yeah you don't really want to be caught wanking into your cellmate's slipper when you're in prison do you or his soup for that matter <laughs> or his soup <laughs> some people don't like that you know some people do cream of tomato (laughs) apologies if you're listening to this and trying to enjoy your lunch or your dinner (laughs) Um, what I I find quite funny well yeah quite funny is tabloid newspapers so like immediately they're describing this I'll be describing the as you mentioned you're reading it sicko what's it whatever his name is I've forgotten his name you know pervert they just like kind of condemning the fuck out of him like straight away So like, and it just appeals to the kind of the kind of general readership of the the your sort of low shelf tabloids. They'll just be they'll be reading it. They'll be angry already. Look at this fucking cunt, fucking photographing himself wanking over a suit, dirty bastard. And then they it just they, the journalist is just there to kind of stoke those fires with sick pervert so and so wanked uh, masturbated into lady's shoes, sicko stuck his dick in a water bottle. And so by the time the time the guy's finished reading it, he's ready to a fucking lynch mob you know go down to the council and demand to see the sex offenders register so you can see where these people live (laughs) yeah they certainly do in the first couple of paragraphs they call him a sicko twice and a creep so yeah he's gonna have uh he's gonna be quite upset about that i would think especially especially if there's an innocent explanation for it all (laughs) (laughs) how do you explain that (laughs) i don't know i can't imagine what the what an innocent explanation for it could be but um you know if he was if he was falsely accused his son's called me a sickle and a pervert. I just really like soup. You know what? (laughs) 
that would that would make a good if you're listening uh big potato games that would make a good card on the bucket of terror you're having a you're leisurely knocking one out to your bowl of chicken soup and you hear your key in the door uh your mum's come home early what do you use to throw at her to dissuade you know is it the the hologram of tupac or your your spoon or something i don't know i, I think probably his his favorite choice of soup is cockaliki right <laughs> oh that's a good one very good very good i think we'll leave it at that so yeah i'm sorry i feel bad actually about ending on that story yeah i should have ended with the update about the the guy getting off shouldn't i but never mind it's all done now we'll know next time we'll know now to to sort that out i feel like our regular listeners probably aren't that sensitive anyway because if they were they probably wouldn't listen to us more than once yeah i would imagine so Uh, okay do you have anything else or is that covered the news for this week that's it. That's that's all she wrote. Okay, fantastic. All right, shall we delve into a, a little review then and have a look at a key piece of Scottish culture? Absolutely. And it was your choice this week, so why don't you introduce this week's bit of culture? It certainly was my choice, and I think it is quite fitting. Uh, we recorded the the Shallow Grave episode, and I picked this as my choice for the next episode of the podcast. And unfortunately, in the the week of recording, in between one of the the key cast members Andy Gray passed away after a a, a long battle Um, I believe he had leukaemia and then I think it was a a Covid related incident that that caused his death so we were very sad to hear about the passing of Andy so we're going to dedicate this this episode to him and the review to him and we will speak a lot about him whilst we're recording but yes so uh, as you've possibly guessed we are going to talk today about the Scottish sitcom City Lights I know it was it was fortuitous that and I think it was the reason that you chose City Lights the, the BBC I mean I, I'm not sure what the reason was I, th- I think they were showing it on the BBC over Christmas and as a result of it being on the TV the whole series the whole first series was on the BBC iPlayer yeah it was and it, it was good because it's not been available anywhere else to find through any legal or even illegal means it, it's very <laughs> difficult to track down so it was great to, to be able to watch this again so for those of you that might be unaware City Lights was a Scottish sitcom that piloted in December 1984 and ran for six series from 1986 to 1991. BBC Scotland wanted to make a, a new sitcom as there hadn't been anything set in Scotland for quite some time. It was written by Bob Black and it was originally a play and he sent the script into BBC Scotland and they brought Black on board to write sketches for a kick up the 80s and naked video whilst putting the plans for the City Lights pilot into into gear. It was a a big success in Scotland and it ran for 38 episodes in total. It starred Gerard Kelly in his first major role uh, as Willie Melvin, who works at Strathclyde Savings Bank, but has aspirations to become a writer. It was very much built up by a, a wonderful supporting cast, including Jan Wilson, who played his mother, Elaine Collins, who played his fiancée, Janice, uh, his his bank colleagues, his boss, Swally favourite Dave Anderson and Jonathan Watson and his best friend, Chancer, played by the wonderful Andy Gray. And in later episodes, Elaine C. Smith played Irene. So I think this is such a key piece of, of Scottish culture in terms of, you know, when we were growing up in the 80s. What are your memories and, and thoughts 
about City Lights, Greg? To be honest, my memories of it were pretty v- were they were pretty vague, and w- I was aware of City Lights, and I, th- I remember watching it with my dad a few times because right, my parents are separated. I would typically go to my dad's on a on the weekend, and I I I'd seen Naked Video before I ever saw uh, City Lights, and uh, obviously recognised Andy Gray when I watched the when I watched the kind of few episodes that I watched, but I don't like I say I don't really remember an awful lot about it. I mean, I'd, I'd have been six when it was first broadcast, so there was no way I was getting to stay up to watch it. I think probably it would have been the later seasons that I that I would have seen some episodes of. Um, but as I say, like my memory of it was was pretty vague. I mean, I remember the main protagonists like uh, Gerard Kelly, Andy Gray, but um, like the, in terms of the setup, other than the fact that he was, I remembered him being like a sort of office worker of some type. Um, I couldn't really remember anything about it. So it was it was it was pretty much like watching it for the first time for me um, when I watched the episodes on the iPad there uh, the other week. How about you? Kind of the same. I do remember watching it with my mum. So I I definitely remember City Lights being on and being able to watch it. And, you know, the main thing I remember about it, in fact, before I watched this again, I did sit down and kind of like, right, what do you remember about City Lights? What is it, if you were to describe it to someone, what would you say? And I kind of struggled, but I, I remembered it was about Gerard Kelly. I couldn't remember the character's name. And I remembered that he worked in a bank and I remembered that the logo of the bank was a ripoff of TSB. I don't know how I remembered that, but I I definitely, you know, remembered that. Dave Anderson was his boss. And I I remembered that he was, he worked in the bank, but he wanted to do something else. But I couldn't remember what it was. I'd I'd totally forgotten about him wanting to be a writer. Uh, I I thought maybe it was an actor, but I think I'm mixing that up with um, an actor's life for me with John Gordon Sinclair. Right. There was, I would have remembered that um, Elaine C. Smith was in it. And I couldn't remember if she was his, you know, girlfriend or his sister. I remembered that obviously this was... Is where pure dead brilliant so it is came from and I used to remember saying that catchphrase a lot when I was a kid yeah. and the main thing I remembered about it though is Andy Gray as Chancer yeah. and as a kid I fucking love Chancer and I, I think it's just because he was you know he was a funny character and he was he was kind of the wisecracker and he was good and I, I remember you know sitting with my mum and laughing like oh what's Chancer going to do this week uh, and it might have been because I, I know in later series he, he often wears like a a, a B or dandy kind of t-shirt it's usually yeah. got like Desperate Dan or Dennis the Menace on and that was maybe part of the appeal but yeah that was my my kind of first memories of it so yeah sitting down to watch it it was quite different from how I remembered and as you say it was probably like watching it for the first time and I think it might have been the first time I'd probably seen these episodes because I would have yeah. been yeah five when this was on, yeah, I, I'd had I'd never seen these episodes before. Like I said before, you know, I I think probably the episodes I saw of it um, would have been the later series, like maybe late eighties when I was a bit older, maybe even maybe even like early nineties, you know. Because I mean, I was quite surprised to see that it ran for so long, quite a long time for a BBC Scotland kind of weekend evening sitcom to run, you know, from nineteen eighty four to nineteen ninety one. You know, like, I can't think of anything any other uh, that have really could match it. I mean, I suppose still game. But it can it went away and came back. Uh, Rab C Nesbit, but it also went away and came back, like with quite a big break in between, you know. Whereas this seems to have they seem to have done like a series a year from um, eighty four to ninety one. So, and I think it definitely evolved over the time. I mean, even in this one series from the first episode to the last, you can see the evolution is taking shape. In that the, the first few episodes, it's you know it's very Willy centric, and okay, there's this you know bit part 
characters, you know, like Chancer and Tam, they, they come in for a bit. But as the series develops, they have more input. They're in yeah. it more. And it, it builds them up really well. And later, is it episode five, I think, where Elaine C. Smith comes in playing Irene. You know, she yeah. hadn't been in it the first few. Mm-hmm. And she becomes, you know, such a central character as the, the series develops, as the, the overall show, not just the first series, because that's what we're focusing on today. Yeah, And, you know, even towards the end of the first series, you're having little kind of sub-storylines with Mr. McClelland. The first couple episodes, he's just seen behind his desk or in the office. So... I think it was very much, it was very interesting to watch the this first series and the way it evolved. And I, I actually watched a couple of episodes from later series on YouTube as well. There's about three or four episodes out there. It's, it's not much. So I think I watched an episode from series three and an episode from series five. And it is, you know, a very different show then. Right. It is yeah. more of a kind of ensemble cast. Anyway, sorry, we're digressing about going on. So what did you think of City Lights then watching it for the first time effectively? Um, I enjoyed it because... I'm a sucker for nostalgia, obviously, because that's why we do this podcast, and um, particularly Scottish nostalgia. The, I gotta be honest, like, the first couple of episodes, I found the character of Willie to be a bit grating. Just as I kind of got used, as I kind of got used to him, you know, I, I think uh, Gerard Kerry sort of he, he sort of tones it down a wee bit after the first episode. But I think sometimes when they're making these shows, the pilot, everybody tries a wee bit harder, you know, because I guess like the first episode is not necessarily necessarily going to be another episode so it's so maybe that's why um, and he kind of settles into it but um, yeah I, I enjoyed it you know I, I, I like seeing all their kind of favourites kind of coming in there's a couple of episodes where Tony Roper plays as a guest part as a kind of dole inspector guy because Chancer's signing on in a few you know in a few different addresses obviously Elaine C. Smith you mentioned kind of popping in in a couple of episodes when Willie joins the writing class even Gregor Fisher has got a kind of small role as uh, somebody who kind of cons Willie into giving him some money to publish his book. Um, and Paul Young is in an early episode as well as someone who actually likes something that Willie's written. But he's a famous author himself who Willie goes along to his book signing and they fall out. And so unfortunately for Willie, he's also the publisher at this magazine that's interested to that's interested in publishing his story until he realises it's Willie. <laughs> he doesn't kind of get it published. Um, no, so I, I enjoyed it and I think I mentioned on the Comfort and Go- uh, the Comfort and Joy episode. You know, I, I've got quite vivid memories of Glasgow around about that time, and it was the, the city was it was kind of changing really quickly because they were gearing up for the the city of culture and the Glasgow Garden Festival in 1988. So th- those kind of early 80s years in Glasgow, just things were changing all the time. So it's quite cool to um, see it on screen as it was as I remember some of these places being because um, they're very different now so yeah I, I really enjoyed it uh, the, the, the other thing that I liked about it and it's something that a lot of sitcoms don't do is that there's story elements that run through multiple episodes you know because like sometimes with sitcoms they're, like, each episode's a bit self-contained you know like if I think about the Rabsy Nesbitt sitcom that spun off of Naked Video you know like the stories don't really connect it's just like a story about Rab and the other guys doing X, Y and Z and then next episode so you know there's 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 some there's the storylines that run all the way through this from the beginning um 
obviously connected to Willie's desire to be a, a famous writer and that daft hat that he wears that he thinks makes him look like a writer. <laughs> I do like when he changes into his writing persona and he, he wears the hat and he starts smoking and he's he's very much uh this is this is what writers do. I, I completely agree. I find the character of Willie to be a bit of a self-absorbed twat. And it's it made me think about Gerard Kelly. I, he was dearly missed. He's such a fantastic actor as well. And if you think about the last kind of well, he was in a few episodes of, of Scotch and Rye that we did, but the main thing he was in was Killer that, mm-hmm. that we reviewed. And, and you know, it's obviously such a different character in that. I, I was wasn't aware I've never seen his his role in Juliet Bravo, but I presume he would have been a bit more of a serious character as well. Yes, I'd imagine and so. Of course, the, the other work that I'd know him for is EastEnders and Brookside, where he played like gangsters. So again, very serious characters. And then I think it's a shame for him in a way. One of the things he's probably most remembered for is playing Bunny in extras. Yeah. And you know, he's in two episodes, but he steals the show. And Bunny is almost Willie turned up to 11. Yeah. And yeah. kind of, you know, <laughs> but more camp and, and hammed up. But yeah, Willie's not, he's not a nice guy, really. He's hes just very self-absorbed. He obviously doesn't care about his fiancée. He, you know, still lives with his mum and, and treats her like dirt. He's hes just always looking out for himself. You know, it's a, it's a running joke that he doesn't turn up to work until like 12 o'clock. He's always uh, sort of just looking out for himself and, mm-hmm. and not really helping anyone else. And I think that's the, that's what makes him the character he is, I suppose. But it's always got to be about him and I think that's the, the first episode sums it up when he gets a story published in, in the magazine and he, he finds out just before he's off to go to Brian's wedding where he's the best man and I did laugh out a lot at the, the wedding photos in that clip where you just see Willie and he's got the story or the check in every single photo and he's explaining to someone about the story and then when they say that he forgot his best man speech so he read the story out <laughs> to the wedding audience. That sums up Willie in terms of the, the way that he is. <laughs> but it's great. You know, he's got these aspirations, but he's, he's 26 years old and he still lives at home with his mum. I, I read an opinion online that somebody kind of compares the character of Willie to Tony Hancock's character in Hancock's Half Hour in the sense that, hmm. that they're both dreamers and they're very aspirational, but they kind of lack the fundamentals to do, to kind of do what they really desire to do to get to where they really want to be they, they're they they're constantly being undone by their friends you know so I think uh, Tony Hancock had like Sid James and Kenneth Williams Willie's got um, Chancer and Tam and Brian and uh, Mr. McClellan his boss that kind of scupper either directly or indirectly everything he tries to do but I suppose I mean, having a character like that as the central focus on a sitcom I suppose it don't, doesn't necessarily have to be a likeable character I, you know Baz Faulty Fawlty in Fawlty Towers isn't a particularly likeable character, yet you still kind of root for him, you know, and they would say that in the same way that you still kind of root for Willie, as much as he's, as much as, you know, he, he's done something ridiculous and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, Willie, mate, you still kind of want it to work out for him. You know, I, I think about the episode when he thinks that uh, somebody's stolen his dad's ashes. Mm. It's like one of the later episodes <laughs> and and the lengths he goes to, because he's, he's, he's had all the, all the kind of down and outs in his house to get stories about 
what it's like to be living on the street in Glasgow like somebody's nicked his dad's urn and it turns out his mum just just took the urn on holiday with her to Millport <laughs> yeah that is a, a, a good element of that and it's right you're like as you say he does have the foil I think in the first episode Chancer's not in it a huge amount um, but the second episode as you say Willie's just trying to earn a bit of cash so he can go on mm. his writing course and that's where the comes up Chancer and Tam have this freezer for sale so they they, they say oh, Willie if you can sell it to the cafe and we'll give you half the money and then it turns out the freezer's stolen and you're right that's exactly as you've said that Chancer and Tam have come up with an opportunity for Willie but then it's backfired on Willie and at the end he's got to buy the freezer back for I think £122 and has to end up back at the bank yeah. getting his job back from Mr McClelland yeah just to stay on uh, on Jared Kelly for a while so I, I had a look at his, uh, his IMDB I was surprised as well to see that he had starred in Juliet Bravo, I knew that I knew that he had done the Slab Boys on TV because I used to I used to have a DVD of that production of the of the Slab Boys, the John Byrne play. But he'd actually been acting since he was fifteen, been acting since like the very early seventies, and like small little roles. I think probably his biggest role before his role in City Right, uh, City Lights, was he was in a Scottish soap called The Camerons, which I've been attempting to look for on YouTube to see if there's any even little clips of it because I'm always a bit in- I'm always a bit interested in Scottish soaps for some reason. There's one called Garnock Way which came out before Take the High Roads and quite a lot of the principal actors in Garnock Way ended up in Take the High Roads. Never really never really caught on. But yeah, Gerard, he also had a, he had he had two parts in The Young Ones, like small parts. One part was he was doing, he did the voice of a brush yeah. uh, and then he had a, another small walk-on role in the Demolition episode. He was in Metal Mickey. He did an episode of Metal Mickey um, and as you say, I think the kind of curse at one point in the 90s for a lot of kind of working Scottish actors was that if you ended up on something like EastEnders you had to play a villain I'm sure I don't think he's the only Scottish actor to have played like a dastardly character in EastEnders or Brookside the other one that immediately springs to mind is Forbes um, Forbes Masson yes Forbes Masson sorry who I obviously knew from the high life and then he turns up in EastEnders as a, a very nice like a teacher yeah, he's and like he's, a tutor, isn't he? Yeah, a tutor, yes. Yeah. And helping one of the girls with her homework and then it turns out that he's actually a paedophile. Yeah. And he's been grooming her. And you're like, oh great, another Scottish actor. Oh, and of course, Trevor from EastEnders as well. Yeah. Mo's husband. It, yeah, it's always, we're always painted as drunks or pedos or wife, wife abusers. Yeah, or gangsters. So, yeah, it's not good. I wonder why the I wonder why the Southern English are so frightened of us Scots. I know. Well, that's that's probably why because every time they see one in the telly they're playing a baddie in EastEnders. But yeah, but, but I think, you know, he's got a great range, uh, Gerard Kelly, because, like, to your point, him, I think getting the role of Bunny in extras, you know, and although we didn't know it at the time, quite late in his career because obviously he he died unexpectedly very unexpectedly and not very old either that was a great role for him to get I mean I think that that show did a lot for everybody that Ricky Gervais put on it particularly well the ones that weren't like super famous already the ones that he kind of brought back like uh, Barry and Les Dennis and things like that but um, he uh, he's great as Bunny and you know and he's he did a lot of panto uh, Gerard Kelly all through his career and you can tell that like as you mentioned before all, the, all those kind of panto tropes 
ropes are just being turned right up. And I think he, he plays a director, doesn't he? Yes, of the pants. yes. It, the, the, the pants of Les Dennis is in. He's the director, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Right. And he's the he's got the, the daughter who's also in the panto and he's kind of the overbearing father on her, getting her to dance and they do dance routines and stuff. And yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's brilliant. The scene stealer for me is his last appearance in Extras, which is the two-part kind of the Christmas special. Christmas one with and, George Michael. Yeah, and it's when yeah. he's yeah, sat on the park bench with Ricky Gervais and George Michael. It's <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, but the thing is, the, the other surprising thing about City Lights is, you know, we've mentioned that Gerard H- Kelly hadn't, he hadn't done like a, an awful lot of um, sort of, he hadn't done any starring roles before City Lights yet. He kind of, he's landed, like, you know, like you said before, all the first episodes focus on him so he's you know and it's this it's, it almost feels like the show has been built around him mm. in a sense but i read that uh, bob black the writer you know like, like you mentioned it as well he's 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 traditionally a comedy writer like writing sketches for scotch and rye naked video as far as i can see on his imdb this is the only sort of series that he's had and i think i think he wrote it all the way to the end right he did yeah i mean he yeah. wrote all of the the series and they had two live shows as well that they toured scotland uh stage yeah. shows and he wrote the stage shows as well yeah it'd be good to, I mean I guess there's no footage of those exists maybe in like private collector's hands maybe or the or the theatres that it was in but you mentioned you mentioned it before City Lights is quite a problematic name when you're searching online because there's a number there's the Charlie Chaplin movie probably the mm. most famous use of City Lights there's the the Robson Green kind of forgettable Robson Green yeah. show that I only remembered uh, when you told me how difficult you'd found it finding information about City Lights Something. Yeah, I never want to see that Robson Green and Mark Benton show ever. It's, <laughs> I've, I've seen so many little thumbnails of it over the last week, and I never want to see it ever again. So, did you did you know much about Elaine Collins who plays Janice before? I mean, I've, I mean, she's I can't think of anything. I've seen her in anything, um, and she's done quite a lot. It turns out, but you know, again, so almost like a second lead role. Hadn't done a huge amount before, and hasn't done like a huge amount after, apart from. Marion Peter Capaldi. No, I didn't. And as I say, I don't think I'd ever really seen the the first series, probably, or maybe the second. She's only in the first two series. And then she's replaced, I think, series three. I mean, spoiler alert, I I watched the first episode of series three, and that is actually their wedding day. And she does a runner and is never seen again. And I think in series four, four and five um, Anne Bryson comes in as kind of Willie's love interest she's probably best known for the Philadelphia adverts in the the 90s do you remember there was like a, a blonde bubbly woman with a squeaky voice and her dark haired friend and they would always have some sort of scrape about Philadelphia yeah. Yeah. She was the, the dark-haired one, and she's right. in later series, because so, I did watch an episode from series five. But yeah, in terms of Elaine Collins, no, I I didn't really recall anything else she'd been in. And she's great in it. Yeah, you know, she's, she's really good. And you do wonder, how on earth does she put up with Willie? <laughs> how? Every episode, it ends in some sort of, or there's something that he's done, and God, you'd think she would never put up with it. Yeah. However, it does also say a lot that in terms of Willie's writing, nobody believes in his ability. Yeah. She is always saying that it's, you know, it's never going to amount to anything. His mum's always saying that as well. They don't really have any faith that, that he is going to become this this amazing writer and, and do things. And I guess that is also part of the the struggle 
that he faces. Yeah, I felt a bit sorry for him in that sense because nobody even reads his stories until they until they gets the one the kind of erotic story published in the in the dirty book. Um, and obviously Chancer and some of the guys read it, but they, even like his other stuff, nobody reads it. You know, they these and I, I kind of felt a bit sorry for him in that sense. You know, he's he's not got the support of his mother. She wants him to concentrate. On, everybody wants him to stick in at the bank, don't they? That's kind of obviously. And I, I wonder maybe if there's a little bit of Bob. Black's personal experience in there maybe you know maybe maybe he had a kind of straight job before he became a successful writer and they found that nobody supported him and his the advice was to stick in at the straight job and don't waste your time doing this and all that kind of thing so there's a wee bit of tragedy there for Willie I, I would say yeah I think so it's kind of summed up as well in the you mentioned Gregor Fisher as, as his kind of cameo that that's probably my favorite scene I think out of the the six episodes that we watched and it's when he plays Quincy Dickens, the the kind of literally literally literary coach, and yeah. it, it's when he says, "I've read all the stories you've sent me," and and Willie says, "But I've only sent you one." Yes, but I've read it lots and lots of times. I'm very pleased to meet you, William. Very pleased. Uh, I've read every one of the stories you've sent me. Every one. <laughs> I only sent you the one. That's correct. Perfectly right. Uh, but I've read it lots of times. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Even he hasn't read the stories that Willie's sent in. And yeah. As you say, I can understand his his struggle. And uh, there is a, a scene in, I think, series two, where he does actually have it out with his mum and, and blames her because he, he lists kind of all the famous Glasgow authors and about how all they write about is their struggle growing up and, you know, the poverty they had to go through. And he's like, it's your fault we were born up, you know, middle class. <laughs> so it's gonna, we grew up, you know, having a, a healthy kind of lifestyle and it's your fault I, I should have been a struggling author uh, yeah so he does blame those around him but i can see in a way he doesn't get much encouragement no no not at all so the the, the other one of the other kind of protagonists like played by an actor who i just found out today um actually passed away a few years ago i had no idea but one of these guys who just seems to be in everything uh, is ian mccall who plays chancellor's pal tam i've got a bit of a connection to ian mccall well it's a very loose connection but he was born in lennox castle hospital which is a hospital that my parents worked in when I was born. I wasn't born in the hospital because by the time I was born, the hospital was a psychiatric hospital for people with mental health. I was born in Stob Hill. But yeah, he was born, in, he was born in, uh, in, in Lennox Castle. But he's just one of these guys who they like, really recognisable face, you know, turns up in all over the place in Scottish TV and film between sort of the early 80s and the kind of mid to late uh, 2000s when he became poorly and then unfortunately passed away. He was in Comfort and Joy, uh, one of our ones that we've done recently. Uh, he's in a show that I never saw that I think maybe we should try and do for a later episode of The Swally called Athletico Partick. Yes, yeah, that's been on my list because I think Jonathan Watson's in that as well. He is, he is, I yeah. think some of the episodes are available on YouTube, I think, and I did think about, I need to do some more research because I think some of them are on, but not all or we can have a look but yeah it's it's definitely something that i think i remember the show being on but i don't remember watching it if that yeah. makes sense I think my favourite credit of Ian McCall's was his character in Hamish Macbeth where he played Neil the Bus. Because <laughs> 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 he was 
It's, the, it's just the, he's the island bus driver. Neil the bus. But he's 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 great in this. Uh, just the kind of and I think you know and all these guys, uh, Jared Kelly, Jonathan Watson, um, Elaine Collins, Andy Green, McCall. They're right. You know their time, the kind of comedy timing. And I guess for some of those guys from working on Naked Video, even 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 um, Gregor Fisher's cameo that you mentioned before, the kind of timing between them with the with the kind of the jokes, if you like, the kind of funny lines, brilliant. It's so good. The episodes where they have been playing poker all night <laughs> and um, Jonathan Watson's character Brian is just in his wife fronts. Yes. Like, it, it, it's, it's, it's sort of implied that they've been playing strip poker or he's or he's been kind of he's ran out of money so he's using he's putting his clothes in his bets or whatever. Yeah they that scene with the four of them um, it's just brilliant you know the, the, the scene towards the end when Brian's wife comes to get him and uh, the next morning when Chancer wakes up with a hangover and Willie's out kind of tidying up and everything what did we get through last night what what did I bring two dozen cans what did Tam bring three dozen cans what did Brian bring his trivial pursuit <laughs> that's it that trivial pursuit fair gives you a headache <laughs> And that was what was so good that, as I said earlier, that kind of as the episodes went on, they built up the the mm. cast. The first few episodes, you wouldn't have seen the four of them together in that situation. And I don't know if it was maybe about building up the characters in a, a logical way, or if it was just having the confidence in Bob Black writing ability to be able to write a scene like that. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, as you say, it's a great scene, and and it's very funny uh, when yeah Tam takes the the four aces out from under his sleeve <laughs> and find. <laughs> a pound out <laughs> and he's back in and then next you just mentioned them J- Jonathan Watson who mm. between appearing in City Lights and going on to do what he did after he seems to have kind of lost a fair bit of weight you know I think I mean he's a wee bit he's a he's got a bit of timber on him and um, especially on his face in City Lights yeah I think the moustache adds to it as well maybe possibly, and yeah. it could be yeah maybe a bit of puppy fat but yeah maybe at that time I mean he has gone on to have a a great kind of career as well yeah done very well and yeah he's definitely yeah he looks it's very funny seeing him he does look young but then also doesn't seem to have aged that much either because you know I I still watch Two Doors Down so I see him Uh regularly and yeah he's he doesn't seem to have aged that much doesn't at all that you see him in well it's 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 just finished isn't it but obviously every year he was doing only an excuse on Hogbany in Scotland he's in Bob Servant, yes, um, you know as well. Two doors down, as you mentioned before, he's got he's got a part in um, in filth as well. A small part as a uniform. He's credited as a uniformed policeman, so it must be a fucking really small part. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he you know like he's I, mean, I admit he's one of the ones. Him and Andy Gray are the ones that I really remember like distinct sketches of Naked Video with. I mean, obviously I remember the uh, Gregor Fisher doing Rabsy Nesbit in Naked Video and the Baldy Man, but I couldn't tell you any other kind of characters regular. Appearance characters or just one-off characters that he did naked video but Jonathan Watson and Andy Gray are just the stars of that uh, mm. sketch show for me so um, you know and I, and I think as well obviously all these guys know each other well you know probably working off in different things with each other for years so again comes back to that kind of chemistry and timing that they all have and then you've got Dave Anderson who must be fucking probably has worked with everybody <laughs> everybody, everybody who's ever acted in Scotland between the sort of 60s and and uh, the 2020s, Dave Anderson's probably appeared in something with them. You know what I mean? <laughs> to speak about Mr. McClelland, I had forgotten 
what a, a lech he is. I'd forgotten there was that edge to his character in terms of, yeah. you know, he's, he's very cheating on his wife. Yeah, I'd forgotten he was such a, a kind of sleaze in a way. But yeah, he's a he's a great character as well. Very funny. And I guess it's the moustache and kind of the hair. Reminds me a lot of like Willie Miller. Kind of just the... Yeah, I think it's the moustache and the hair and just the, the stature and, and maybe even yeah. the, the way he talks as well. You know, he does talk a little bit like uh, Willie Miller does. So yeah. I couldn't get that out of my head for a few times, but it was wonderful to see him. And he is great as well. He's got some very good like one-liners and, and he's very funny as, you know, kind of Willie's foil at yeah. work a lot of the time. And Willie's, I think it's when he's living with Chancer and he's not able to, to use the hot water in the flat for fear of getting his fucking coupon panned in. And he's, he's shaving and Mr. McClellan just appears behind him out of nowhere. Again, the comic timing. And he's just, you know, <laughs> this is a Turkish bath. It's a bank. It's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> then he goes back to his desk and turns on his election reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they put that character to a T in even the pilot episode uh, when he's kind of the second time you meet him, he's sitting on his desk with his feet up reading the sun. And then the door goes and he throws the sun away and picks up the Financial Times. And that <laughs> yeah. sums up his character. Character, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's he's so good. He, he's so dry, mm. you know, in his delivery and and his his uh, his, his humor. I was look, I had to look at his uh, IMDb like in in detail because I think this is the first time that reviewed anything that he's had such a big part in. You know, he's mm. had like small parts and some other things we've done, like just a boys' game, uh, Gregory's Girl, Orphans. But I mean, he's he's got he's, he did three roles in very early Doctor Who when it was still black and white. Mm. He was in the event. He had a part in the event. Avengers with uh, Patrick McMee and Diana Rigg. He's in Softly Softly, which is sort of classic uh, police procedural programme in the UK. He's got a part in Local Hero, like another Bill Forsyth movie. Soldier Soldier, you've got a part in that. Monarch of the oh, Glen. There's the Robson Green connection. Yeah, exactly. But, but the, the, one of the most interesting things I found out about Dave Anderson is he used to run his own martial arts school in London. Wow. So he is uh, not only is, a, is he a prolific actor, but he's also a bit handy as well it sounds like Cobra Kai Dave Anderson yeah Cobra Kai in Glasgow can you imagine it <laughs> that'd be wonderful oh I never knew that that's a that's yeah. a wonderful little fact about Dave but you know he's he, you know I guess we'll, we'll do the Taggart tally later but he's he's got four Taggarts under his belt Dave Anderson <laughs> <laughs> Four, including the one that he did with Alex Norton before, you know, when Alex Norton was just a, a one-off character in an, early, in, a, in an early serial of it before he became a, a kind of lead actor on it. But yeah, he, as you say, he's 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 a brilliant foil to Willie in this, you know, and you, you, you can tell that he doesn't really run the bank, you know, beyond either approving or turning people down for loans. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. run the bank. You know, it's all, all the guys out there, it's, it's uh, Brian that's, that's running it. It's the other kind of non-speaking characters that we see in the background in the in the in the office behind the tellers. And then the, that actually, I did I did take a bit of an issue with that episode that you mentioned when he's looking for somewhere to take the auditor that he's cheating on his wife with, mm. and he takes her to Willie's flat. And the Irish guy that's been threatening to batter Willie has just finished saying, "If I hear that guy's name again, I'm going to bat. I'm going to I'm going to have somebody." And like uh, Miss McClellan appears at the door. Oh, is Willie in? And then the next time you see him, he's had a right doing. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's got a crutch. You know? Very overdone, I think, yeah. uh, that part. But yeah, 
it, it was still very funny, but yeah, I think I could have toned that down maybe slightly. Although he does deliver the message in an Irish accent to Willie. <laughs> he does. Uh, I mean, again, before we get to Andy Gray, um, the other actress who, a, a bit, she's a bit like the female Dave Anderson in a sense, um, is uh, Jan Wilson, who plays Willie's mum. Yeah. She's another one. She's another one that's been acting for years. And I found something out today. So you remember you and I were talking about a few, a few episodes ago, we were talking about Bad Boys with uh, Freddie Bordley. Yes. And, well, there's another Bad Boys series with athlete, with Ashley Jensen in it. There's like a sort of female-led thing. I think I think it's a comedy, but Jan Wilson appeared in that. Um, how about I look it up? Um, Andy Gray played a part, I think, in an episode of it too. So I, I immediately, when I saw it, I just assumed it was the Freddie Bordley uh, uh, two-hander. What was the other guy called? Carl? Uh, Carl Howman. 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 Howman, yeah. J- Jan Wilson, working since the late 50s, I, th- I think her most notable swally appearance is as the intimidable Clatty Bella in Just a Boys game. Um, but she also did Lovejoy. I know that you're a fan of Lovejoy. Um, she, she did I am. A few episodes. She did a couple of episodes of Bergerac. She did a few Scotch and Rise. She was in um, that uh, Garnock Way. That's kind of pre take the high road soap that I mentioned earlier and you know she's again her 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 timing in this you know the kind of the, the kind of back and forth between her and Willie is brilliant you know because they like, he you know we would never speak to our mums the way that Willie speaks to his mum because no we get our fucking teeth knocked out but um you know like she she gives him back just as good as she gets you know they do tone it down slightly because the first couple of episodes it becomes a, a kind of running joke that she's steaming over in his mail that's right to read his letters <laughs> that kind of gets toned down a little bit yeah uh, but then it does in the last episode when she's off to Millport for the weekend and she is you know kind of giving him a lecture about don't have that chance around and it's that yeah funny story about him stealing the towels but he brought them back yeah she is great comic timing as well and they work so good as a pairing yeah and even the, the scenes, I think, where Willie's moved out and he's looking with Chancer, even the, the scenes she shares with um, Janice, they're great as well together. Yeah. She's a, she's a wonderful actress in this, really is. I remember when we did Orphans and I was I was watching some interviews with uh, Peter Mullen because uh, like, her part in Orphans is tiny I mean she's maybe she's maybe in it for like about two minutes maximum she's like a bit of a conversation with uh, Gary Lewis's character and uh, Peter Mullen was like you know I couldn't believe that I managed to get an actress like Jan Wilson to appear in that in such a small role you know and Orphans has got a great cast like Alex Norton Dougie Henshaw Steve McCall all these guys but you know like, but the one that um Peter Mullen certainly appears to be the happiest with getting in his movie is Jan Wilson. So she's she, she's obviously a, she must be like a highly respected actress or well or actual mm. actor whatever you prefer in the sort of Scottish uh, TV and film scene. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. So that brings us uh, that brings us to Andy Gray. You know, um, are we are we missing out Elaine C. Smith? Well, I, I didn't put an awful lot on Elaine C. Smith because she only appears in a couple of episodes and they're quite small parts, aren't they? So I I I, I did think, oh well, I I mean Elaine C. Smith. I mean she's she has, she has to be one of the most recognisable Scottish actresses of even now, but certainly of the kind of 
eighties and nineties. She seemed to, you know, just iconic roles. And and her, you know, like I guess she'll take Rabsey Nesbitt's uh, wife Mary Doll to her grave with her. But um, but the, her part in Two Doors Down, she's phenomenal in it. She's brilliant. Yeah, she's fantastic as Christine. It's just the the one liners. It's that's how swearing should be done yeah. for comedy value. And it's amazing that she can have just such an innocuous kind of you know line and just adding an f bomb yeah. to it is it's just hilarious it's so good i'm a, i'm a big fan of that type of swearing where it's it's a character who on first viewing you wouldn't expect to use language like that and it just comes out of just comes out of nowhere <laughs> and they, to, to your point she is brilliant at at delivering it because she's the character she doesn't swear all the time she's not like a sweary character in the show there's just loads of scenes where she doesn't swear at all and then it'll just be something that at a really unexpected moment <laughs> where she just Drops the old f bomb on all the characters. She's yeah, she's a she's a brilliant actress, Elaine C. Smith. She is responsible, really, for well, not responsible, but it's her catchphrase in City Lights that I remembered, yeah. you know, before I watched it of the pure dead brilliant. So it is. <laughs> You're dead brilliant, so it is. <laughs> and you know, Prestwick Airport used that as their slogan for a while. Yeah, I know. On the back of this, and I say I remembered it, and she does mention it. She, she does say it in the the later episodes that that we watched. But yeah, it's uh, I guess the the main kind of catchphrase from City Lights, if if you pardon yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, uh, but then you know, uh, Andy Gray as Chancer. I mean, the, you 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 touched on it uh, earlier. I mean, he's 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 quite a cool character because he seems to he seems to kind of walk between the raindrops a wee bit you know he's got all these different scams going he's got his yard that <laughs> um, him and uh, him and Tam run between them um, but yeah he's just he's, he's hilarious and he, he's a great foil to Willie because he's he is really the kind of best friend Willie's got and I think he's actually the only one that doesn't between like uh, Mum um, Janice Mr. McClellan Brian and Chancellor Chancellor's the only one that doesn't really kind of burn Willie down when he's talking about being an uh, becoming a writer and 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 you know his aspirations his literary literary aspirations yeah I mean and you just you I, you feel like there's quite a lot of Andy Gray in there because I've obviously been reading quite a lot of tributes to him since he passed away the other week and he just seems he just seems to be like the nicest guy you know would uh, would uh, talk to anybody that approached him or had time for anybody you know and uh, I think you know I don't know if the character of Chancer is supposed to have a bit more of an edge to him uh, you know maybe in the in the kind of conception of the character but you know you get someone like, like Andy Gray playing them and they become something completely different you know I couldn't remember as I say I, I remembered that I loved Chancer and Chancer was the main reason I watched it and to say I remember laughing with my mum oh, about Chancer but I couldn't remember before I watched it if he was almost like like Tam like a bit of a bumbling idiot but yeah. kind of not quite switched on yeah Chancer's the most switched on person in the show yeah. he is you can tell he's clever and it takes a lot to to claim benefits for five people yeah. at the flat he's living at and he's obviously a bit of a wheeler dealer but he's a he's a switched on guy and i yeah the character's brilliant and as you say i watched a an interview i'll send you the link i don't know if you've seen it it's from august last right. year uh, andy gray did a kind of a zoom interview with this guy on youtube and it's about 45 minutes long and it is it's a brilliant watch mm-hmm. it really is and just to say andy gray is just the nicest guy 
Yeah. You know, he's taking his time to speak to this guy and he's, he's just such a personable guy. And uh, they speak about the role of Chancer. And he's like, yeah, as soon as I read the script, I was like, I, I need to play this character. And it was the only character I wanted to play. And uh, thankfully I did. And he says, yeah, still to this day, I will be walking down the street in Glasgow and five, six people will shout across the street, hey, Chancer! <laughs> and he's like, for for that character, 30 years on, to still be, he says, it's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. I really, and he's he's very proud the way he speaks about playing Chancer. And because him and Gerard Kelly, they worked together quite a bit, even after City Lights. They did a, a stage production of The Odd Couple right. together that toured around Scotland. And he does a great impression. He, he doesn't call him Gerard, he calls him Kelly. Right. When he's he's speaking about him and he does a great impression on this interview of Kelly being a creature of habit and he'd be like, you want to come down to the pub? And he's like, oh no. <laughs> and he just wanted to go and get his fish and chips that he did every night. Like, oh no, I'll go and get my fish and chips. And it, yeah, he does a great impression of him and he speaks so fondly. <laughs> of uh, of Kelly <laughs> and they work so well together in this and it, he's just brilliant and it's it's such a such a shame you yeah. know that he, that he passed away such a loss a- apparently a big Batman fan like you and I, like uh, you and I yes about. huge apparently yeah he was a very um, avid Batman fan had a lot of Batman merchandise and yeah I think I did read an interview or something and it was yeah they, they came in and he was wearing his, his Batman dressing gown <laughs> or something when they entered the dressing room so yeah, yeah he was a, a big fan oh yeah uh, great actor and it's it's such a good name for a character a uh, chancer as well cause yeah. it, because yeah. everything you need to know before andy's even done any acting at all as soon as he's introduced as chancer you know everything that you need to know about the character almost straight away you know and it's it's like you say it could have taken a, a sinister a darker edge darker turn but it's okay he does steal the charity bottle from the pub and, and, and the fruit machine the, the fruit machine <laughs> Which which pops up in every episode if you notice know. it's in the background of the flat and he's then are moving it out and it, you know they never speak about. It. There's an episode. There's an episode where Tam's trying to play it in the yards and as he yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it must be plugged in because oh. Chancer says Tam, it's empty, and he goes, I know. I just like to watch the wheels go round. Oh, yes, oh, yeah. And <laughs> just hitting the buttons. Um, but it's it's okay. Stealing the charity bottle from the pub and the fruit machine is is pretty bad. But it's kind of light hearted, played upon benefit fraud yeah. kind of. I guess in the same humour that Rabsi Nesbitt is. Yeah, you know, for it's sure. the it's kind of lighthearted, it's nothing bad. He's never gonna hurt anyone. It's he's a very he's a lovable rogue, is the the character of Chancer. And as I say, I think it, it says a lot that thirty years later people will still shout at the street yeah. that to him. I don't think people would shout, Well hey, to Gerard Kelly if he was still around and yeah. I'm pretty sure Jonathan Watson doesn't get Brian no, shouted at him sure he doesn't. a huge amount. So yeah. maybe Dave Anderson gets Mr. McClelland though. Or Gregory's dad or one of the myriad of uh, <laughs> roles that, that he's played over the years um, so yeah it was I mean I guess it was kind of good timing well not good timing for, for fortuitous timing that you chose City Lights um, and then obviously to, to read that Andy Gray had uh, kind of passed away the week after I think it was a couple of days after we recorded Shadow Grave um, at least yeah, it's given, it was it's given us a good opportunity to, to pay tribute to him in our own way yeah very sad so thanks Andy for the memories and it's, it was great what watching you in this um in terms of 
Willie, and you know he does get a couple of stories published, especially in the the adult magazine and stuff. Have you ever been a published author? Have you ever had anything published and been paid for um, it? I have. I have a thing. I did have some things published when I was a student, but I didn't get paid for them. So I, I did a couple of articles for the 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 students kind of newspaper at Aberdeen College in the mid nineties. One of them was about the uh, kids' summer soccer camps that Patoji were putting on one year. So they they took us down to Patoji. I got a tour of the ground. Saw the famous door that Terry Butcher kicked a hole in when he got sent off. That uh, they, they may have they may have changed it now. Um, but this was the this was about nineteen ninety six, and they were they kind of held on to it for um prosthetic whatever you call it. What do you call it? Prosterity, they say? Prosterity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got that published. I, I got something in the Scottish Licence Trade News um, as a kind of intern freelance thing, which I never get paid for either. But other than that, no. I've self-published a few blog posts online. That's about as close as I've got. What about you? Well, you, you I guess, when, in your role, do you write copy for stuff? No, I don't write a huge amount of copy. I, I, I have dabbled. I've had a few, probably, things that I've come up with that have been publicly known. But in terms of writing for like a newspaper or a magazine or anything, um, only once that I can think of. And it would have been when I was about 14, I think. And there was a, a storyline. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, actually. I don't know. Maybe I have. There was a, a storyline in EastEnders where Robbie Jackson, Dean yes. Gaffney, he was trying to make some money. And he decided to write stories into women's magazines, like Women's Own or Bella or Best. Do you remember they used to pay yeah. you money for real life stories? Stories, you know, like so. I slept with my boss, or yeah. I I was a teenage escort type thing. My sister got paid for a story and take a break because ah okay, her, because my niece was born the night of uh, my sister's wedding, so it made a bit of a it made a bit of a human interest story. She got she got some money for it. Very good. So the the storyline in EastEnders involved Robbie writing to these magazines, um, and they published quite a few of the stories. But of course, he had to put a, a different name because he couldn't put Robbie Jackson, so he put like Robert to de plume or something and of course they sent him checks for money and he couldn't cash the checks because they weren't in his name so hilarity ensued so i watched this and i thought hold on my name's nikki <laughs> i've got a girl's name <laughs> So I knocked up a few stories and sent them off to Women's Own, Best, Bella, all the, the ladies' magazines, and kind of forgot about it. And a couple of months later, I got a, a cheque in the mail from Bella magazine for £150. Nice. They had published my story about me having an affair with my boss and hoping that my husband wouldn't find out. <laughs> now, I... <laughs> I then had to obviously explain to my family why I was £150 richer and was getting mail from Bella magazine. Well, how old were you, uh, did you say? They, What age were you? About 13 or 14. <laughs> So, and of course they're like well what was the story about and I, I couldn't remember like all the details but I was like I I'm sure it was about I was having an affair with my boss and my husband wouldn't find out and they're like how did you come up with this and I was like I don't know I just came up I probably just read some other stories and just took bits from various places so yeah check came to Nikki Kemp and yeah £150 richer woohoo so, I wish I'd thought of that back in those days my, my mum used to get I could have I could have done that I think but I'd have to have Use my mum's name or my sister's name, maybe. Well done, so you mate. can't do that stuff nowadays, I don't uh, think. 
Now, fucking revel- unfortunately, revelations on the swally. I hope I hope no for- yeah. former editors of Bella are listening. <laughs> well, I think enough time has probably passed now, and I've moved country a couple of times, so I don't think they'll be catching up with me. Yeah, but yeah, that was uh, Willie getting his story published in Men's World or something. Kind of reminded me of that, and thought, oh god, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to share that story in the swally. Wait, when I was at school in high school, like the last couple of years, wait, there was a school newspaper called the quartet and me and my friend brendan who i know listens to the swally sometimes we used we did a kind of fake agony ant uh, page in the quartet where we would pretend to be one of our peers at school and we would like make up something we would, we would it would be obvious who it was about if you knew the person so like there was one guy called paul massey who got his nipple pierced in the last year at school quite like you know I've, I've since known quite a few guys over the years that have had their nipples pierced but back then at school we were like fucking hell so we wrote a, but what we would do is we would answer the kind of problem as a celebrity so sometimes we might do like mr tea or sometimes we would do sometimes <laughs> we would do uh mike reed off eastenders or uh, jimmy savile before we knew what we know now and uh, just sort of answer the problem and it was really just for our own our own amusement uh, and it got published in the sense that it got printed off in the kind of copy room and handed out <laughs> around the school so yeah it was good fun I, i've still got a couple of uh that i saved which i didn't even realize that i had until i was moving to kuwait and i found them among some things in my loft so the next time i'm home in, in glasgow and i'm checking out our house i'm gonna go up in a loft and dig them out yeah you can read some out to us on this wally. <laughs> wally yeah so so should we should we do the should we do the categories uh, for City Lights? Yeah, now there's a few, I, I was kind of struggling with a few. Let's go through, I, I have got an answer for most of them, so yeah, let's go through and see. Okay, so the first one then, uh, archetypal Scottish moment, what did you have for that? I struggled a bit with this because there are quite a lot, and yeah. it was trying to pick what strikes to me the most that Scotland, and it was a scene we actually spoke about earlier and it was the card game at Willie's uh, mum's house, and it's because on the table there is a can of McEwan's Lager, there's a can of Tartan Special, there's a can of Kestrel, and Kestrel. there's a can, yeah, Kestrel, yeah. <laughs> and there's a can of Tenant's Lager with the, the lady on the back. And of course, Tam has his shirt open and he's got a tattoo of bagpipes on his chest. And that for me, it, it was either that or the uh, Willie's mum going to Millport. Yeah. That was um, the, the two I kind of was was going between. You know, uh, Kestrel was the first alcoholic drink that I drank of the millennium. In the, the 1st of January, the year 2000, I used to live with this girl. Uh, down the stairs, we had some neighbours. And the next day before I went to work, I went down to Chapel Door and say Happy New Year. And the guy invited me in and he gave me a warm can of Kestrel. Now, Kestrel didn't taste great when it was ice cold. Room temperature Kestrel tastes fucking horrendous but I had to kind of force it and I, I was obviously a bit hungover because we'd had we'd been celebrating uh, New Year's Eve the night before I had to kind of force down this warm can of Kestrel so that was yeah my first alcoholic drink of, of the millennium a warm can of Kestrel um, I mean my, what, I, what I had for this was it sort of created a bit of an archetypal Scottish not moment as such but thing and as we've touched on already with the pure dead brilliant but I wonder if that's just I mean I remember the thing is I remember saying that at school when I was at primary school and stuff and I 
guess, without realising that it came from City Lights. I, yeah. I, I only found that out when I was doing my research for the podcast. Um, yeah, I do remember me and my sister doing, oh, it's pure dead brilliant, so it is impressions to each other, yeah. The Sean Connery Award, also known as the Who Got to Go Home and Fuck the Prom Queen Award, for me it's got to be Andy Gray. Yeah, I would say so. I think purely from, from memories and also from watching this, and I think when you watch later series, Chancer becomes a much bigger character. Yeah. Because I think they realise he is the he became so popular and yeah I, I think without a doubt is Chancer he always comes off on top he always comes off well nothing bad ever really seems to happen to Chancer he just goes through his way and he's got some brilliant lines and yeah definitely uh, I would agree with you 100% on that James Cosmo award for being in I mean when we actually do when we come to do something that James Cosmo's in <laughs> it's going to be difficult to hand this out um, I, I sort of split this between Dave Anderson and John Wilson but I don't know if Dave if Dave's maybe got a bit of an edge on Jan oh maybe I, I would say probably it would have to be yeah between the two I mean Gregor Fisher could mm. be up with a he, he yeah. could be up there as well yeah yeah I think I yeah it would have to be between Dave Anderson and Jan Wilson I think without a yeah. doubt I didn't give anybody the swearing award because there's not really any kind of proper swearing really no there's know. not there's not at all there's there's no gratuitous nudity so we can't give anybody the Hugh McGregor award this week I beg to differ. Oh, There is when Willie goes into WH Smith's to buy the men's magazine and he reaches up and there is a clear pair of boobs (laughs) on the front cover of the magazine of a copy of Men's World. I'll take a screenshot. Actually, no, you're not allowed that on Instagram. We can blood out the nipples. There there is a clear pair of jugs on display on the front cover of Men's World in WH Smith because I I was like, there's no swearing. So I can't give out that award. And then I thought, Oh, there's no nudity either but then I, I saw that and thought bingo <laughs> the- um, it actually reminds me of I can remember um, you remember do you remember when like Sky had the Granada television channel and they used to show like old Granada programmes and they would have stuff they have something on like say Coronation Street for example right like an episode of Coronation Street from like the 70s or the 80s and there'd be somebody at the bar having a pint reading the paper and in the back of the paper there would be like the page 3 okay just, yeah you know and it, it was clearly in shot you know sometimes for like a few seconds you know until the camera switched but it was I don't know if it was just maybe the actor thinking well this will be a laugh if nobody notices yeah. or if it was just sort of well it's page three do you know what I mean it's anybody can look at it you know I genuinely thought you were going to say that in like an old episode they went into Rita's cabin uh, <laughs> news agents and there was just a row of scud mags on the top shelf <laughs> I genuinely well, thought that's where you were going with that story. Well, you know, there might have been. Um, <laughs> but and now you've mentioned it, there's quite a lot of old episodes of Coronation Street on YouTube. I might have to uh, do a bit of... Uh, you see if Rita's got an episode of Shaving Ravers uh, <laughs> yeah. stuck on the top shelf. Because they, they didn't put them in plastic bags in those days, you know, like like apparently they do now. Not that I would know. Um, well, I think it went through a, a kind of... <laughs> I'm not going to get into the evolution of porn bags, <laughs> but... <laughs> It did go because I, I was quite shocked to see that in City Lights that the the copy of of it, it was Men's World was very much just a, a big pair of jugs on display. Then I think they then went into starring out the nipples on the front cover um, when I was when I was buying porn anyway. That's what they did. <laughs> and, and then after that, then they 
started putting them in in bags that you could only see the title of the magazine a thing not like they do in the middle east where they just put a black line through everything yeah that was one of my favorite things ever that i saw in the 12 years i lived in dubai there was a copy of gq in the supermarket and it was Rihanna on the front cover. And the headline was, Rihanna will not be censored. And it was a photo of her in a bikini. And some customs officer had put black marker over her cleavage and over her bikini bottoms. <laughs> it was just wonderful, the way that that was. She will not be censored. She will by, be by uh, Dubai's decency laws, though. So, anyway, sorry, we're going on to a porn kind of uh, hub. Um, so... <laughs> Anyway, yes, that's that. Most uh, most Taggart appearances, so I kind of gave the game away in this earlier on. It is Dave Anderson with four, but almost everybody has got quite a few. Jared uh, Kelly's actually got two Taggart appearances. He's the one with the we the one the one we reviewed him in uh, for Killer, like the, the first Taggart serial, and then he's got one a bit later on in the run. Uh, Elaine Collins, who plays Janice, has got two Taggart appearances. Ian McCall, who plays Tam's, got two Taggart appearances. Uh, Jan Wilson's got two. Andy Gray's got one, but Jonathan Watson doesn't have any. Wow, I'm I'm shocked at that. Yeah, because because there was there was there was one. I think it was when James McPherson was the kind of lead actor in Tiger after Mark McManus died. There's one called Football Crazy, which I remember watching. I didn't really watch a lot of Tiger after Mark McManus came out of it um, after he passed away, but um, I remember watching the that football crazy one I was sure that Jonathan Watson was in that but it, maybe it was Tony Roper because I would I sometimes used to get them mixed up Tony, mm. uh, Tony Roper because there's, there's, a, there's a bit of a resemblance between them I think slight resemblance but um, yeah I could see that actually yeah yep um, the Jake McQuillan your tease award uh, for violent moments it has to be Dave Anderson you, you don't actually see it but you see the aftermath of Dave Anderson getting a shoe in from the Irish lodger yeah I think that has to be there's not really anything else in terms of violence no one really gets massively beaten up or anything so yeah what I will your, agree with you on that what was your favourite scene? I, I think I said earlier to, to spoil but I think it has to be with Gregor Fisher as Quincy Dickens I I absolutely love that scene I think it's just the okay it's quite overacting but I, I really enjoyed that either that or the, the card game scene that they have just the interaction is great I, I had the I had the card game scene and I had the the reveal at the end when uh, when mum reveals that she took the late Mr. McKelvin on holiday to Millport with her <laughs> her back <laughs> I'll be honest I didn't expect that actually Actually, another shout out to, and it's the the comedy is so clever. There's not a lot of like physical comedy in yeah. in City Lights, but it is the scene where Willie is washing his own clothes at Chancer's flat, and he's holding on to the washing machine for dear life as it's vibrating about. The physical comedy in that did have me laughing. Quite yeah, a bit. and then it turns out that he's just put the whole bag, plastic bag, <laughs> into the and he's delighted with himself. Job done. Happy with that. That's great. I really enjoy. I really enjoyed uh, talking about City Lights today. I really enjoyed it, it yeah fun. i did I, I really enjoyed watching it again I'm, I'm really glad we we picked it and it was nice to revisit and bbc i beg you please show the rest of the series because it's it's really impossible to find them though somebody had uploaded them to youtube but it's been taken down now and it's it's impossible to find anywhere online yeah you've shown series one bbc i presume it was a success um so please show the rest just put them up somewhere it would be great because i'd love to watch the rest of them yeah me too me too oh that was good yeah I enjoyed that Um, so we did speak a little bit on the episode about in terms of the appearances and things I've updated the Swally tally would you like oh. a little Swally tally update I think we definitely 
we definitely need a Swally Tally update. And maybe we should try and find a Swally Tally date jingle to put uh, in. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've just updated the bloody theme tune to the actual <laughs> podcast, the intro and outro music. Give me a chance. I'll try and find a Swally Tally jingle. I'll get my xylophone out. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I've made a graphic as well. We will put this on Instagram once this episode has gone out. So, yep. spoilers. But we have, at the moment, quite a few people tied in second place. And there's two people tied at the top of the Swally Tally. Two so, people. There's two people people at the top with four right. appearances on the Swally Tally. Yeah, two people tied at the top. So in joint second place with three appearances each on the Swally Tally. Now, there could be some contention here, but City Lights has had a dramatic effect on the Swally Tally. Right. So with three appearances each in second place, we have Andy Gray, who was in Complicity, Small Faces and City Lights. We have Gerard Kelly, who was in Killer, Scotch and Rye and City Lights. We have Gregor Fisher, who was in Just a Boys Game, Scotch and Rye, City Lights. Now, we have Jan Wilson for or Just a Boy's Game, Orphans and City Light. She was in a few episodes of Scotch and Rye, but not the ones we reviewed. I made very sure. I even yeah. watched the end credits of those episodes. So yeah. I don't think she counts. No. no? I don't think we have, that. Uh, we also have John Bett, who was in Gregory's Girl, Scotch and Rye, and Shallow Grave. Okay. A very bit part actor, but he pops up in a lot. And also on three appearances, we have Stephen McCall, a, a youngster taking up the rear, if you will, with uh, a young person's guide to becoming a rock star, <laughs> Orphans and Complicity. And I think it will come as no surprise who is in top place with four appearances each. We obviously have Dave Anderson who was in Gregory's Girl, Just a Boy's Game, Orphans and City Lights and Alex Norton with his appearances in Gregory's Girl, Orphans, Complicity and Comfort and Joy. So just to let you know, whatever we choose next on the Swally could have a big impact on the Swally tally. So I hope you're taking that into to consideration when you're picking something next. Well, I have picked something. I'm trying to think if it will have an effect. Um, I've gone Hollywood for the next episode. Oh. I've gone Hollywood. There might be some consternation whether it qualifies or not amongst um, our Swally Tally listeners, but it's an absolute favourite of mine. There's plenty of Scottish actors in it, and it's the 1986 classic Highlander starring Christophe Lambert and of course Sean Connery. Uh, now obviously on the Sean Connery episode the, the tribute episode we did say we will do Highlander at some point and you've gone all out. You're going for it. I'm going I, for it. I, we decided on that episode. It's a Scottish film. It's called Highlander. It's got Sean Connery in it. It's got a lot of other Scottish actors in it. It's Scottish. Agreed. So we'll allow it. And Any excuse to watch Highlander. <laughs> any excuse to watch Highlander. So... Cool. I, I haven't seen it in years. I think I haven't seen that since I was a kid, to be quite honest. So I'm going to look forward to watching that again. Oh, and then I can't wait. I can't wait to talk to you about it then if it's been such a it's been that long. Genuinely, it's it's not a film that ever kind of resonated with me, if you know what I mean, yeah. that I would watch it on repeat and repeat. Anyway, yeah. we'll hold off on discussion <laughs> yeah, <laughs> until sure. next time. Great. I can't, I'm looking forward to that then. Oh, well. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, then why don't you follow us on Instagram at Culture Swally Pod or follow us on Twitter. We can interact on Twitter. Hey, we got a famous follower on Twitter. Did you notice that? No. It was a while ago. Uh, Who is it? I don't want to say. I don't want to say in the podcast. I'll tell you off here. I'll okay, tell you, okay. I'll tell you later. If All you right. want to find out, why don't you follow us and have a look at our followers list? Uh, so you can find us on Twitter at SwallyPod. And if you want to email us with anything that you'd like us to review or any stories that you would like us to share, then get in touch with us on CultureSwally at gmail.com. Thanks very much, Greg. I'm hoping that this episode was pure dead brilliant. And <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching Highlander with you and 
See you in big time in action. All right. Well, until, until next time, thanks for listening. Until next time, thank you. Bye. Bye.